Welcome to this week's Inside OSU podcast. I'm Burns Hargis, president of Oklahoma State University. We're about seven months away from the grand opening of our world-class performance hall, the McKnight Center for the Performing Arts. In 2016, Billy and Ross McKnight generously funded a $25 million endowment for the Performing Arts Center. Ross and Billy have always been so generous to Oklahoma State, and this Performing Arts Center will be a lasting tribute to that generosity. Even though the first official performance isn't until October, there is still a lot going on at the McKnight Center as it prepares to open its doors. This week, the McKnight Center is presenting its second annual Chamber Music Festival. And this weekend, season tickets go on sale for the 2019-2020 season. With me today on the podcast are Anne-Marie McDermott and Mark Blakeman. Anne-Marie is an internationally renowned pianist and the artistic director for the McKnight Chamber Music Festival. Mark is the Carl and Marilyn Tome Executive Director of the McKnight Center for the Performing Arts. All right, so um, welcome, both of you. We're thrilled you're here. Uh, Mark, give us uh, the construction status of the McKnight Center. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. So. We, we have been under construction since January of 2017, and the building is coming along uh, wonderfully. We're on schedule and on budget. I, take, uh, I do take every opportunity I can to remind our construction team that uh, we have a hard stop. We have the New York Philharmonic coming in October, but um, the work that's happening now is mostly on the inside, and so you really are starting to see um, very much what the what the McKnight Center will look like when it's finished because they are doing that important finish work. So a lot of tile um, is going in, restrooms are being um, finished, a lot of the um, finished treatments on the walls that are very important for the acoustic design of the different performance spaces are going in as well. So it's very exciting to see it come along and we should be substantially complete in about around May and then we'll go through our process of commissioning a lot of really um, technologically advanced systems, which will take a little bit of time um, working with the designers and our team to train them so that they understand how to operate all of those theatrical systems and audio video. But it's very, it's very exciting. So both you and Anne-Marie have been in a lot of performing halls. Yeah. Uh, you all over the world, and, and of course you were with Oklahoma City, Nashville, Tucson. What, what's unique about this, uh, this hall? What's unique about the facility? Well, I, 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 think, I, I think Mark is probably more well-versed. Um, to me, what's unique is the location of it and the scope of it. Um, to have a performing arts center on this scale with two concert halls in the facility, very different halls with very different personalities. One is going to be a smaller, more intimate uh, chamber music hall, um, so that'll be very up close and personal for the audience. And then, and then the main stage, which will be very glamorous, very powerful. Um, and the fact that this is being built here in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is—it's just mind-boggling to me. It's incredible. But I think, Mark, you—you're more informed about the well, details I would, of the space. I would just say that. Um I think that the unique features are the intimacy of the entire facility. Yeah, you've told me before that it's 100 feet from the back seat to the front of the stage. 100, 100 feet from the back row to the edge of the stage in the wow. performance hall. So very short from end to end. We have 1,100 seats, which is half, less than half of what you'd see in most performing arts centers. So we just will be able to deliver a very personal experience where you'll see world-class artists in this very 
intimate environment and we'll use the technology to enhance the, the experience of the concert goer by using video screens and, and things like that. Embry, I've just got to ask you, I, I mean, you really are, to have somebody of your acclaim here in, in Stillwater helping us with this is just, just wonderful. But Thank you. I, certainly I'm interested, and I think our audience would be interested. How did you get into this this uh, profession? <laughs> How did I get into and this why? profession? And why? <laughs> Such good questions. You know, my first motiva motivation for wanting to become a pianist specifically was my mother took me to a concert when I was about four years old, and I will never forget the image on stage of a big shiny black piano under a spotlight. I have no recollection who was playing or what they were playing, but I just remember thinking then that this is the most glamorous and the most powerful thing, and that I wanted to have, have that kind of power. Now I've grown up and learned that it's neither of those things, glamorous or powerful, um, but it's, it's I, I'm so deeply grateful for the life that I have as a musician. And, you know, to me, a career as a musician is really defined by its longevity. You can have a career for, for 10 years and do great, but to, to have a career that lasts decades um, is what I'm striving for. And, and that, that uh, entails creative thinking about your career and what you're doing, your choice of repertoire. And, you, you know, you've you got to watch your, your physical uh, yeah. ability as, as you age. You do have to watch your physical ability. I'm very, very careful about that, actually. You know, very um, similar to what, what dancers do when, when their schedule is very intense. When I'm in recording sessions, what I'll do at the end of the day is ice my arms. And just preventatively, it's just, just a good idea. But, you know, the other interesting thing to me about my career is the different avenues it's gone down. You know, 15 years ago, I never would have thought I would be an artistic director. It never entered my mind that I would do that. I, I'm a piano player, and um, but then opportunities um, came before me, and, and I remember talking to my dad about it when I first was thinking of accepting an artistic directorship, and he said, just, just go for it. And, and it's been a thrilling addition to my life as a musician. Um, well, it, talk yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah. Most people probably don't really know exactly what an artistic yeah. director does. And, and how do you put together like this week's Chamber Music Festival? Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're asking me as if I, I know what I'm doing, but uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, well just, just so our audience knows, yeah, you, yeah. you are the artistic director for Bravo Vale, which yes. is one of the most successful festivals uh, in the country or maybe the world. And it's a big festival, a six-week festival. Yeah. You know, what it entails, Very, I, th I feel very strongly, my job, job number one is the artists who I bring, um, that it's a very specific environment when you're doing a festival, and by that I mean a limited period of time and you're doing quite a lot of concerts. So you have to put together a group of musicians who like each other, who have really good chemistry, both personally and, and professionally as musicians, where you communicate really well, where I, I always say to people, you know, classical musicians can come across as so serious, but really half of a rehearsal is very serious hard work. The other half is a lot of acting like two-year-olds. You know, and it's important that you have the balance of both, that you, that you are having a really wonderful time. Because um, there's a lot of yeah. communication that goes back and forth between Tons. the musicians. Both verbal communication and, and eyeballs, eye. yeah. right? There's a lot of that, and even some grunting and breathing in and you know all of this um, is very important then repertoire is critical to understand your audience um, we don't operate in a, va in a vacuum so and, and I've learned this from being at Bravo Vale 
um, that you have to really listen to your audience and I'm and never ever dumb down to your audience but try to carefully bring your audience along with you with what you're doing artistically and and really make a case for why you're presenting the repertoire you're presenting you know and then the joy of putting together rehearsal schedules and I'm being facetious yeah of course you are <laughs> <laughs> well you know mark your end of this is kind of the business end mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of a lot of just finances that mm-hmm. go into these things. Lots of lots of moving parts to all of this. You know, we're very fortunate um, that Ross and Billy McKnight um, feel so passionately about uh, world class artists because their gift to support our program fund is is what really has allowed us to um, start our Chamber Music Festival to bring the New York Philharmonic in, and we'll reveal our full season lineup for our inaugural season um, on March 2nd. And this weekend. This weekend, and our season's chock full of, you know, incredible world-class talent. And we're just very fortunate that the McKnight's, you know, that's their passion, and they got involved uh, very early on with this project. But there are a lot of moving parts, um, too. Well, one thing that I'm curious about is you, you're a musician, and, mm-hmm. you've, and you've run performing arts uh, or, or symphonies. Do, do you all collaborate, collaborate at all on, on, what, on the repertoire? You know, we, I have to just say, uh, you know, I'm in awe of, of um, Mark and, and the work that Mark has been doing because it's one thing to be an executive director. It's another thing to be an executive director for a brand new performing arts center that hasn't opened up yet. Hasn't you know, that yet. hasn't even <laughs> been built yet. I mean, that's that's um, that takes some real vision and, and faith and faith <laughs> and perseverance and patience and all of that, all of that. So you know, I do. Um, Mark came up with a great idea for. Uh, next November when the Chamber Music Festival will be in the McKnight Center for the first time. And, which I loved, an idea of, well, why don't we present an all-American program? Um, which I hadn't thought of, which is a really wonderful idea because Veterans Day mm-hmm. follows That's shortly right. after, right? So, so yes, we, Mark allows me to do, to do my job um, without restrictions, you know, other than operating within a budget, obviously, um, which I'm, I'm very appreciative of but you know always we we do talk through the programs and very importantly who the musicians are going to be successful arts organizations the the executive director or the ceo and the artistic director or music director have to be partners yes and really have to collaborate and when that doesn't happen bad things occur you know and so So we're very fortunate you know that we can and i know enough about music that we can have those conversations when we need to certainly um, want Anne Marie to have the autonomy to do the, put the programs together that she feels like will be really compelling. But it is something that we talk about, and it's important that we're on the same p- page as we move forward because we have to absolutely marry, critical. marry a lot of different things together to make it work for everyone. You know, oh, this, absolutely! Yeah, this project was really uh, modeled after the Michigan. Uh, Michigan model that they have at the University of Michigan with uh, they bring in the course the New York Philharmonic every year and it, then it just went from there once we had a 50 million dollar programming endowment things uh, really started to to happen <laughs> but I'm just curious is this kind of thing unique in in uh, academe or are we catching up what's the I I think the fact that we have a programming endowment is uh, hugely unusual 
and very few facilities open with any type of endowment at all, the fact that ours is earmarked for, for amazing programming um, is really spectacular because it really speaks to the kind of investment that the leadership behind the project um, wants to bring to the community. There are certainly other um, performing arts centers on university campuses across the country, um, but they don't have the intimacy of 1,100 seats, mm -hmm. and they're not going to have the um, opportunity to program um, at the same level that we can program at because of the endowment that we have. And, and because of that endowment, too, you, you have the sustainability mm -hmm. um, That's right. into the future. And that, yes, then that, that really is extraordinary. I, I don't know of. I, I know this week you're going to have a program for uh, students. Yes. What, uh, how do you select the repertoire for that, and what are you trying to teach the students? Oh, that's, it's just the greatest joy doing these programs for students. I always feel like if I... And when I say students, I mean really the uh, elementary and... and what what right. grade are we having this year? We have all fifth graders from all Stillwater fifth graders, Public Schools coming tomorrow. Which is incredible. Mark focused early on on making this happen, and it's so important. And I always feel, you know, if I even get through to just one kid, I've done my job. Right, so I try and select the repertoire so, to familiarize the fifth graders with all of the instruments that we have here. They may not know the difference in size between a violin, a viola, a cello. We have a flutist this year. Um, to try and do uh, shorter selections because when you have a whole room, gigantic room full of fifth graders, you have to pay attention. Yeah, you have to keep their attention, yeah. should I say? And then there's a great trick that I like to teach kids, it's, it's really um, a, a little bit selfish. And that is, you know, you ask the kids, well, what do, you, what do you do when you really love a performance? And they all start clapping. I say, that's great. Now, what if you really, really loved it? And they'll clap, maybe they'll stand up. And then I say, if, if it's just the best, what do you do? And I tell them, I say, you scream bravo. So you see, I'm training the future audiences. Mm -hmm. So then you do that and you're guaranteed for the next hour, you do anything and they're gonna all scream <laughs> bravo. Bravo, <laughs> oh, that's just great. It's fun. <laughs> Mark, you mentioned that we're you're announcing the season on March second. Uh, this is that Saturday. That's this Saturday. And uh, people are obviously going to be curious about how they get tickets and well, can they get individual tickets. So this Saturday, we'll announce our season lineup for our inaugural season at the McKnight Center. We have twenty four performances spread out among two different performance spaces in the center, and we've got a variety of programs. Um, we already know that the New York Philharmonic's coming and they're going to present multiple concerts and do a residency, but um, we have another world-class orchestra coming from Europe. Uh, we've got a small Broadway series, a major jazz act from New Orleans. So we really are trying to provide diversity. And after Saturday's announcement, people will be able to go to our website, mcknightcenter.org and um, check out everything that we have programmed. We'll start to sell tickets at that point. We're selling them in packages right now. So if you're a lover of symphonic music, there'll be a package just for symphony orchestras, one for Broadway, and so on. Later this summer, we'll start selling individual tickets. So if there's one specific thing you want to attend, then you can watch for our single ticket on sale um, that we'll announce later. And we, are, we have our box office uh, ready to go starting next week, and that number's 405-744-9999. I want to thank our guests, Anne-Marie McDermott and Mark Blakeman. You can find out more about the McKnight Center at mcknightcenter.org. And you can watch the season ticket announcement this Saturday at 2 p.m. live on O-State TV. 
I'm Burns Hargis. We'll be back next week with another edition of Inside OSU Podcast. Thank you.